gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of an Evolved Review. I am your host, James Caleb Kitchens, and as always, I am joined right here from the Stovall Wrestling Network by Caleb Stovall. How's it going, man? Hey, what's going on, man? Another day in paradise, right? That's it. Another day in 2020, which is kind of <laughs> kind of the opposite of paradise, uh, right? Yeah. So uh, we kicked off, uh, we just kicked off season two, so this is the first uh, topic that we're going to cover in season two and today we've got a, a pretty special list man we've got uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about our top five non-wwe pay-per-views of all time um we were originally going to do a just a you know a, a top five pay-per-views of all time right but that's such an expansive list and then when you start getting into wwe if you're going to look at the whole of the WWE, I feel like there's just so much there. Um, and it would be so hard to do a top five all around, all inclusive. So we're going to do this. And then later on in the season, we're going to do our top five WWE pay-per-views of all time, which I can't wait for. Yeah. I've, I'm, I've been looking forward to this one uh, because of this. Uh, I've watched so much wrestling and uh, well, it's nothing new for me, but <laughs> But it's it's going to be fun. I, I'm excited to talk about why we like these pay-per-views, you know. And, and it doesn't just have to do with, like, the storylines and, and, and stuff that happened on the pay-per-view. It might have just been the feeling that we had watching it as kids. Right, yeah. I mean, we talked about the criteria for these. You know, you start trying to think about, okay, what makes a great pay-per-view? A lot of it is the feeling you get watching it. It doesn't always yeah. have to do with these this pay-per-view had the best matches or the best segments or whatever i mean this is incredibly subjective uh what you think is an amazing pay-per-view what i think is an amazing pay-per-view maybe two different things maybe the way we felt when we first watched them uh, yeah. i know for a lot of these on my list i didn't really ha even have to go back and watch them because i just remembered them right and sometimes it's even watching it after the fact, you know, like I've, I've seen a lot of pay-per-views that I didn't get to see as a child. Cause you know, I, you could back in the day, you couldn't, you know, just order pay-per-views like, like you can nowadays, you know, like, like, like you can just get them whenever you want to basically. But, you know, back in the day it was a lot different. So, you know, I didn't get to watch all of them. So, you know, I had to go back and watch them and, and I'll go and I'll see like pay-per-views that I didn't see at the time, but watching it, I'm just like, wow, this is an awesome pay-per-view. There, yeah, there are pay-per-views on my list that I only ever saw on a VHS tape. Yeah. I had to wait. I had, I had to wait not only for the pay-per-view to air, but I had to wait for them to put it on VHS and then for it to be available at the Podunk movie store where I grew up. <laughs> So, yep. and this wasn't even a blockbuster. We didn't have a blockbuster. Blockbuster was too fancy for us. I remember we got a movie gallery and like everybody thought that, you know, we had moved into the future. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. we had. I, I mean, I had them all. I, I, we had a movie gallery blockbuster and, uh, Oh, what was that other place? I think it was Hollywood video or something like that. Um, yep. Yeah. And there, there was another one too. Video warehouse. That was the one I was looking for. That was the one I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going down through these, so what we're going to do, we're going to name, we're going to go back and forth and name our top five. As always, anytime we do a top whatever list, and if you're watching at home, yes, this is some brand new Marvel swag from T-Turtle. 
uh, got that on a Black Friday special. Um, I, I saw you guys eyeing it through the internet. Uh, or for those of you who are listening uh, on uh, Anchor or Spotify or Google uh, Podcasts, you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go through our top five. As, like I said, as always, we have not discussed our answers with each other. Uh, so we may have some conflicting answers on our list. We may have you know, a few that we have the same pay-per-view. I have a feeling, though. When we did the top five matches of all time, we had uh, Nate Pritchard of suplexes and microphones on. And I'm going to tell you that that went really well for me as far as our match selections, because I wanted us to all have different matches. And we did. Everybody, we didn't talk about it at all. And we had 15 unique matches. Um, This I have probably a better feeling about. Now that I say that, we'll have like the same list, but... Uh, when we say non-WWE, we weren't including indies because that just would have been too ridiculous. And also, I, I think I would have been really biased in a lot of that. Um, it would have been very hard for me to decide between, you know, like a, a local indie show that I had a big part in and then something I've seen on television. It's just it's two separate things. Uh, so okay. uh, we're talking Ring of Honor. We're talking NWA. Uh, we were originally going to have, uh, Bill Blanchard on, uh, and, and there was some scheduling snafus and, uh, and he's of course from the shootout with Bill Blanchard, which I recently did an episode on. Um, and, uh, he probably would have had some NWA goodness for us cause he, him and Nate both are kind of NWA experts. They've seen yeah. a lot more of it than we have. Definitely a lot more of it than I have. Um, and then, uh, you know, so we're gonna, so we've got Ring of Honor, uh, NWA, TNA, WCW, uh, and AEW was gonna kind of be the main ones, um, you know. So uh, if somebody had slipped some some New Japan in there or something, I, I guess that's acceptable as well. Uh, but here we are. Uh, we're gonna kick it off. Uh, we're gonna kind of just talk about go back and forth. We're gonna start at our number five. We're going to talk about why it was an amazing pay-per-view for us. Uh, some of the highlights of some of the matches, uh, you know, just kind of the, you know, why we put it on this list. And keep in mind, this is our list, our personal list. If you've got a top five at home, feel free to send those in to us. Um, you know, we, we're definitely interested in, think, in you know, what you've got to say, what your top five might be. Or if you if you love our list or you hate our list and you think we have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, by all means, tell us that too. So, uh, Caleb, man, uh, you know you you are the the co-host. You get the very special honor of going first. All right. Well, then I'm going to start it off with uh, my number five pick, and that would be TNA Turning Point 2005. I bet you thought I was going to say 2008. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I. I don't know. I think. I think you might find out in a minute why my eyes were widening the more you spoke. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. So, so t- turning point two thousand five. Yeah, that's turning- that's an interesting pick, man. What what um what made you pick turning point two thousand five? So back then, uh, when DNA was like first starting out, I remember they were on. They were still on uh, FS one, and I believe. They had just moved to Spike TV. I think they had just moved to Spike TV, actually. So they were getting on Spike TV and everything like that. 
And uh, they and I remember seeing the hype for this pay-per-view. And the first thing that I saw, the first match that I saw advertised was Barbed Wire Massacre with uh, Sabu and Abyss. And I thought, okay, that's going to be amazing right off the bat. It's a little ECW mixed with TNA, basically. And I was all for it. Uh, and the matchup was brutal. It was everything a barbed wire match should be, in my opinion. Uh, great way to uh, start off a, a unique pay-per-view. That's a unique way to start off, but uh, it wasn't the main event or anything. So I was very, uh, I, I was very looking, or very much looking forward to what was to come in the show and everything. And you also had matches like Team 3D, Bubba Ray and uh, Devon. Uh, or as they were known as Brother Ray and Brother Devon in TNA, because <laughs> we can't say those names because they're WWE. Right. Against America's Most Wanted in a tables match. Yeah. So, that that I remember being incredibly excited for. Yes. Yes. And I love the storyline going into it. Um, I love the, the whole Team 3D funeral. I thought that was one of the funniest inner like most entertaining segments that i've ever seen in my life you know it, it showed in, incredibly how hated and disgusted jared and and all them were and father james mitchell i don't know how he didn't just burst into flames going into a church <laughs> now a amw i i think is one of those like forgotten like tag teams like yeah. everyone knows james storm right uh especially us but uh like Chris Harris is like forgotten, <laughs> you know. And what was this during the time? You have to refresh my memory on this. Was this during the time that Gail Kim was like their valet? No, I okay. think she came in a little bit afterwards. I think, if I remember correctly, um, I, I don't remember seeing her in the fall. Actually, she might have been there. She might have been there. I, I don't know. I think I think she I think she did come in though around that time, uh, which was okay to me because I thought she fit perfect with them for a while, especially when they were a heel tag team and stuff like that. Um, but I, I really liked that matchup. And then one that really stood out to me was the X Division title. It was, of course, your favorite wrestler, Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles and AJ was the uh, X division champion uh, champion going into this and the reason that this match started off was actually because Joe attacked Daniels who was a heel at the time he beat him like to a bloody pulp and they made this code of ethics in the X division like it's like hey we're all about athleticism we're all about taking competition to the next level but you don't do that you don't cross that line here in this division and Joe did it. And he just said, I don't respect your code or anything like that. And so AJ actually challenged him and they even bring that fact up in it. And uh, uh, how do you think this match went? Yeah. I mean, I loved that angle. I remember that airing. Yeah. Uh, just an amazing angle. Uh, you also had little things all throughout the night. You had uh, Raven and Larry, like Raven taking on Chris Canyon actually at the time. So that was a blast from the past. But who better than Canyon? Yep. <laughs> um, and Larry Zabisco actually was uh, 
he was playing the heel, like, I guess, kind of general manager type thing, or he just wanted Raven out of TNA, basically. And uh, so there was a little thing. Then there was, like, a little X Division showcase matchup, which I was okay after the uh, barbed wire massacre. And then, of course, you had those, you know, matches that we talked about. And then your main event, I know you're probably going to shit on the ending for it and everything like that, but it was Rhino versus Jeff Jarrett for the NWA uh, uh, championship. By the way, the Team 3D tables matchup was also for the NWA tag team championship, so the Dudleys became the first team to hold the NWA, ECW, uh, and WWE uh, champion or tag team champions. That's what uh, I remember fr- from this event. Um, I remember that. I remember the Sabu and Abyss match because they had great matches every time. Yeah. A- and I remember the Christian Cage debut, which is the main yeah. reason I watched this because this was his first official match, if I recall correctly. Yes, it was. It was against Monty Brown. And Monty Brown, people forget how good he was in TNA. I mean, he was great in TNA. Whatever happened to Monty Brown? He got out of the business for personal reasons. Uh, the uh, I know. <laughs> like he was just he was so good in TNA. It it was it it was great. Uh but yeah, you had Christian Cage versus Monty Brown. But then you had Rhino versus Jeff Jarrett as the main event. And dude, the main event was good. You know, I mean Jeff Jarrett, in my opinion, can put on great matches with people. You might not like him going over and everything, but hey, he was a heel at this point. So I mean, I was okay with it. So um, you know, it, it was it was worse, I thought, when they tried to make him a face in in uh DNA. That was when I was just like, Yeah, that ain't gonna work. But <laughs> agreed. Yeah, I mean they were kind of doing it because of his history with the company, you know. Yeah. So but yeah. I I just like this because I thought this was a pay-per-view from front to back. This is a wrestling pay-per-view, in my opinion. You literally had everything you could want as a wrestling fan in this pay-per-view, in my opinion. I agree. You had great uh, sort of build-ups to these matches. You had, uh, you know, you had hardcore matches. You had gimmick matches. You had incredible athleticism in the uh, Styles and Joe match. And then you had a main event that had two very recognizable faces in it, which is what they needed at the time. Yep. Um, Yeah, man, that's a great pick. Yeah, I really liked it. So if you haven't seen it, I encourage you all, go check it out. Um, My number five, uh, this is not going to surprise you at all. You you Mm -hmm. might be surprised it's not higher on the list, maybe. Uh, and, and honestly, anybody who watched uh, our top five matches of all time will not be shocked by this either. My number five is WCW Halloween Havoc 1997. Um, <laughs> this, uh, this match, and I will go ahead and, and, and talk about the match that made it into my top five matches list. Uh, the, the Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero mask versus title match. Um, it, I, I watched it uh, when we did the top five, and then I watched it again like yesterday. And that may be one of the greatest matches to ever take place on American soil. I, I just, I cannot express how much I love that match. Um, now, the, the main event to this pay-per-view is actually complete dog shit. It was uh, <laughs> Hogan and Piper in a steel cage. Yeah. Uh, and no one remembers it at all, but Kurt Henning versus Ric Flair was on this. 
uh, Savage and DDP in their Las Vegas sudden death match. And a lot of people have said that this was the last like truly stellar Randy Savage match. And say what you want about DDP. He's one of my all-time favorites uh, just because I idolized him as a child. Um, and him and Randy Savage, to me, always had incredible matches every mm-hmm. time. Uh, they're, that's my favorite feud in WCW is, is their feud with each other. Um, there, there wasn't a lot, uh, Jericho and I think, uh, Guido or somebody like that had a match on this pay-per-view, but breaks his neck during a top rope hurricane Rana. Yeah. Yes, he does. But I, uh, yeah, the, the Savage and DDP match and then the, the amazing Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero match. Uh, and I've always loved the just sort of aesthetic of Halloween Havoc. Those just made it for me. Yeah. Um, you know, the main event had a nice build to it, but unfortunately it didn't deliver. And it's not like Hogan and Piper ever had truly phenomenal matches anyway. And this was like both guys are, you know, 10 years past their prime at this point. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's my number five, man, is uh, Halloween Havoc 97. It's like the first thing that came to my mind when we started making this list. I like that one. Um, I, I, I do. Um, I, I got to throw a match out there that was on that you didn't mention that you might have uh, remembered. Ultimo Dragon. And versus... Sonny Ono. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, oh, God, what was his name? Yuji Nagata. Yeah, that's right. Ono was with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dragon and Yuji Nagata. I was like, I was like, that was a different kind of match, but I liked it. Yeah. I, I like that pay-per-view, though. That, that was – plus – I love, like, like you said, Halloween Havoc. I, you know, I never understood why WWE, out of all the pay-per-views, never brought that back, and then they bring it for NXT randomly, <laughs> just yeah. to spike Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, there might be as many bad matches as there are great matches on that pay-per-view, because, uh, like, Jacqueline versus Disco Inferno is on there. Oh, uh, man. And then Luger and Scott Hall. It's a snooze yeah. fest. But yeah. it, it is what it is. I- I give you that one, dude. Henning and Flair, though, that's a, uh, I believe for the U.S. title, that was, I mean, that's a clinic. Well, that's a, yeah. that's a clinic. Anytime those two got in the ring together, that was a clinic. That was just here, people just shut up and let the maestros work. And they know? could, they could do it either way. They could do Flair as a baby and Henning as a heel, and they could swap it. Yeah, but <laughs> oddly enough, you know, Flair was a baby face for most of his WCW run. Especially during the, during the 90s, you know, because the NWO were all the heels and he wasn't about that shit. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, he was, he would just get cheered so much that, that you couldn't make him a heel. Like every time they tried, it just, it didn't matter. He was just way too over at that point. Yeah. I mean, it was like when he came to WWE, you know, he'd do the strut, he'd, uh, you know, kick you in the dick and they'd cheer. Yeah. <laughs> Even when he was with Triple H, who everyone despised at the time. Yeah, exactly. He would hit you with that chop block, man, and still, you know, that I think that's like a a move that you just don't see enough anymore. You no yeah. one does it. So <laughs> I was always a fan of the Triple H uh where he would just sweep the the knee with his leg, you know? Yeah. Um I was always a fan of that. But anyway, uh, but that's my number five. Nice, nice. I like it. What do you got? All right, so my number four is an ECW pay-per-view, and it is Hardcore Heaven 1999. 
Okay, so if you... before you go any further, yes. I, I'm going to make an incredibly guilty proclamation here. I didn't even fucking think about ECW when we were doing this. <laughs> you were like, ECW, and I was like, oh shit, they do exist. <laughs> you were saying... <laughs> Well, I, I, I don't like everything ECW's ever done, but dude, they, they've had some of the best storylines, in my opinion, and they have put on some really good pay-per-views. Um, you know, n- not a lot, but but I thought I thought this one though has got to be one of my favorites, just because. All right, so it's Hardcore Heaven, nineteen ninety nine, and the main event is actually supposed to be Taz who was the ECW champion at the time versus Chris Candido for the uh, ECW championship. Well, that ends up happening a lot sooner than later. So, um, you know, I don't know why this was made uh, like this, but uh, I'm kind of glad that it did because it just made for an interesting pay-per-view. But Candido comes out to the ring. He comes out with Tammy Sitch, who was Sonny, which all I need to say is that name, and immediately, <laughs> you know, just a flash of hotness comes up. <laughs> and she and she looks stunning as well in this. And um, and Candido says that he has hired Bubba Ray and uh and Devon, the Dudley boys, to watch his back or something like this during this main event. Well, uh, then he challenges Taz, and he says, I want it right now. So Taz obviously accepts. He comes in, he beats everybody up, and he beats Candido in seconds. Yeah. And that and that looked like your main event. But then the Dudley boys attack him, and I believe they put him through a table or something like that, or but or they do a number on him. And um and uh so Bubba Ray takes him out and everything like that. That's the one that really takes him out is Bubba Ray, um, which that will come, you know, later on back. But then the Dudleys stay in the ring for a little bit and they issue an open tag team challenge. And of course, Balls Mahoney and uh, Spike Dudley come out. And, uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, I guess an ECW style tag team match where it's all over the place and everything like that. Um, it was tremendous. I, I, I don't know. I, I love the way that they opened up. And this is a key point that I'm going to bring up in the match is Balls Mahoney does that fire thing to Joel Gertner. And that becomes crucial because all throughout the night, Gertner is going to pay the Dudleys to take out people. So they literally go through like the ECW locker room and he's got like a hit list. And it, it got it has Jack Victory, New Jack was on there. Um, some other people were on there. I, I forget like who all was on there, but a bunch of people were on there. So they go throughout the night and uh, some of the skits that they do with them because they're just like Jack Jack Victory's our boy, man. Like <laughs> what what Gertner got against him? And then and then they open up the envelope and they're like they're like, oh, this is sixty thousand dollars in here. Fuck that guy. I never liked him in the first place. <laughs> now, I know that you are going to bring up the crown jewel of this this pay-per-view. I will. It just I will in in, in a little while. But, I'm I'm uh, itching for it. Yes. Uh but then there was Super Crazy versus Takamichi Oku. 
that was on there. That one was it, it was just a great you know match and stuff like that. Very hard hitting. Then little Guido versus uh, Yoshishiri or versus Tajiri. Basically, they always called right. him Yoshishiri, but Tajiri. Um, and then and then you had Lance Storm versus Tommy Dreamer. And, you know, it was a hardcore match. And, and yeah, you had the women involved with Francine and Dawn Marie, which, oof, good Lord. <laughs> That's all I can say. But then uh, Taz, accept, or the Dudley boys have thrown out a challenge. And Taz said, all right, I'm going to accept your challenge. And I'll even put the ECW title on the line. So it's going to be Bubba Ray versus Taz later on in the night. So Taz beat Candino in a few seconds, and now he's got to actually defend the title against Bubba Ray, which they actually do have a hell of a match. And then Just Incredible comes out, and it's him versus Sid. And uh, Sid does the thing. Jeff Jones brings out Sid, and Sid just wrecks everyone. It was amazing. I love that. And then, yes, the crown jewel of this pay-per-view it is Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam. And yeah, it, it's regarded as probably the greatest match in ECW history. And there is a reason. These two absolutely tear the house down. It's not even for the ECW championship. It is the television champion. And it's not even the main event. You know, right. there's there's two other things. Um but I encourage everyone, if you want to if you want to see a unique ECW pay-per-view, in my opinion, this one is my top favorite. I know a lot of people say Heat Wave 1998, and I did like that one, but not as much as I really like this one. I really I kind of like the twists and turns that they did, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean Heat Wave is that that's a valid, valid answer, but I I, I like this one as well. This is actually I've seen probably six ECW pay-per-views in my life. If we count, if we count the first and second one night stand that WWE did. So really four. And uh, so this is one of them. And yeah, I mean, I, I originally watched it just to see the, the Van Damme and Jerry Lynn match, because if you haven't seen that match and you love pro wrestling, you owe it to yourself to see that damn match. Yeah, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got the pro wrestling and the high-flying aspect of it in the match, but then it's also got, you know, what ECW is, you know, the, the violent nature of it. I really liked it. But I liked everything that happened from start to finish in this pay-per-view. I know everyone talks about this match with good reason, but but it, it it's like it's like icing on a cake basically it's like we have this incredible match but the whole show is amazing as well right so that's my number four ecw hardcore heaven 1999 all right um this one is also not gonna su surprise you at all i don't think unless unless maybe you're like why isn't that higher on the list my number four is wcw starcade 97 um a legendary pay-per-view in its own right um this one of course opens up uh on fire with eddie guerrero versus dean malenko when dean malenko power bombs this man you can feel it at home yep every time uh, but there's that one particular one in the match where Eddie like pops up to hit like a Rana or something like that. And Malenko just uses his momentum 
to just slam him into the mat, and you're like, he's dead. Yeah. The hum- human body is not meant to endure that velocity with that level of stoppage. Um, <laughs> and that's for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, that was an amazing match. Um, there's, uh, there's a few other things on there, uh, like that aren't that great. Uh, they had like Randy Savage, uh, Vincent, it's a freaking joke. And then Scott Norton, uh, against the NWO, which I believe was, it was Ray trailer and the Steiner brothers. Yeah. Um, Goldberg and Steve McMichael, which Very thankfully bad. that was a, that was a six minute match it was five minutes too long. Uh, however, Perry Saturn versus Chris Benoit, uh, is on this in a Ravens rules match, which was fantastic. Um, Bagwell and Luger is on this show. And honestly, I'm not a huge fan of either one of these guys, but they actually had a pretty good match. Um, now, uh, we get into the stuff that I really did like, uh, a whole lot, uh, other than, uh, the, the two matches I mentioned before. Uh, DDP and Kurt Henning for the U.S. Championship. Uh, yeah. This is one of my favorite matches of all time. It did not make my top five list, admittedly. But uh, me personally, this was this was a match that, like, as a kid, um, I remember watching this whole thing, and this is the match that stuck out to me. And I, I could watch this match every day. Uh, it's just a huge part of my childhood. Because it's when DDP uh, beat, Kurt Henning and became the U.S. champion finally, and he had a legendary U.S. title run. Yeah. Yeah, he really did. Um, and and this was also the point in time where, the, you know, Randy Orton says, you know, the, the whole out of nowhere thing, but DDP was really the, the master of the diamond cutter. And this was oh, yeah. when he was coming up with a new, like, super creative way to hit it every match. So you always wanted to watch the match because you wanted to see how he was going to hit it. And this match has a very creative way for him to go into it as a finish. And uh, the pop when he hits it is insane. Yep. Um, I, I, I could hear it in my head anytime. Like, I can always visualize it. I can see him hit the cutter, and I can hear the pop. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and then they had like an interesting uh, little match with Zabisco and Bischoff. And even though this was not a stellar wrestling match, um, the you know the whole idea here was um, the story the, behind it. Yeah, the story behind it was really good, and basically it was for control of Nitro. Yeah. Um, and and so uh, that that's kind of how it ended up going. Bischoff uses the steel plate under the shirt. Bret Hart was a special guest referee. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's just, it, it was a, it was an interesting kind of uh, uh, like segment and, and a, a end to a storyline that they had been running. Um, yeah. And, and then of course the main event, uh, this is probably one of the best Hogan matches ever to me. The finish was eh, but this was the culmination of the longest running storyline that WCW ever ran, which yeah. was Sting versus the NWO. And Sting's entrance in this match is one of the best entrances in the history of pro wrestling, if not the the best. I I would venture to say it's the best in my opinion. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it's definitely in the conversation. Um, and so, you know, the, the finish was wonky because you had, like, Nick Patrick, and they did the whole thing where uh, they came out and drew the name for who was going to be the referee, and it, it was Nick Patrick, and everybody's like, oh, shit. And then, of course, you knew he was going to cheat. He does the fast count. I remember watching this with my dad as a, as a child, and my dad was a Hulk Hogan fan. Uh, and even when he turned heel and became Hollywood Hogan, it's like, fuck that. This is my like hero. I, mean, I still like him. And I was, you know, behind Sting in this. And my dad's like, Hogan won this match, you know? And, uh, he's like, it, it was one, two, three. You saw it, you know? And the problem yeah. was that the, the problem that made it screwy, it would have worked better, but the count's not that fast. No. It's no, not it, it really slow. Yeah, it's not like Nick Patrick's like one, two, three, and that they did it. it. He's like one, two, three, and it's like it's a little fast. If you're, I guess, if you're a referee and you know how the count's supposed to go, it was fast to him. But to the viewers at home, it wasn't that fast, and no. uh, so it was really kind of like people were like, "What the fuck?" Uh, but I still love it. I mean, even though that ending was weird. Um, I, I still love this, and I, I, as a kid, it was my favorite pay-per-view. I used to watch it all the time. Yeah, we, we still got the satisfaction of Sting walking out with the title and seeing everyone celebrate in the end and everything like that, and that was cool. And and, and I would like to bring up, um, how about the intro to the pay-per-view? Yes. With Sting, like, like in the, like, li- literally looking like the crow. I still think that is the coolest intro I've ever seen to a pay per view. And they did, like, the lightning, and then he was in, like, different spots on the screen. Yeah. Or they would have it black, and it would, the lightning would hit, and it would illuminate Sting. And then when the lightning was gone, he would be gone. Yeah. Um, like, it was, it was amazing. I got to say something about this pay per view. Yeah. Um, it did not make my top things and, and that's surprising but what i truly remember about this pay-per-view was is i realized that this pay-per-view was going to be on not a school night as a child this was in december and we didn't have school then and uh i i like begged my dad i said dad come on you know it you love sting sting is your favorite as well like we have to watch this and he just goes all right come on so I got to watch that in its entirety live and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, I, we talk a lot about like, like wrestling is about making moments and mm-hmm. the, you know, that whole, like all the baby faces coming out to celebrate the win. How many times has that been done in wrestling since, mm-hmm. you know? And then I also love the, like them scrubbing the NWO off the belt and then they painted WCW on Hogan's back. And I mean, it was just, it was this incredible culmination to yeah. really two years worth almost of a storyline they were running. I mean, if you want to, if you want to count like the, the NWO, like starting kind of up into all of this, you know, uh, you know, the feud with Sting and everything. And yeah, I mean, uh, it was just an awesome ending to a great angle. And, you know, this this one has some great matches on it. Just like my number five, it has some not great matches on it. But once again, you know, it's about those moments that exist in this pay-per-view. And the, the, the stellar standout matches in this event are absolutely just on another level for me. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I really loved it, and especially loved seeing that setting over and over again when I played WCW Revenge. Yes, yes. Well, that's my number four, man. Take it away. Yeah, um, so I'm going to go finally with the WCW pay-per-view, though, uh, it, as my number three. Um, it, it would be WCW Uncensored 1997. Okay. Uh, yes, because uh, I went back and I watched this, you know, in, in, in later form and, and everything like that, uh, basically courtesy of the WWE Network. And uh, it starts off with one of the best matches you'll you'll see actually surprisingly the one that opens up uh starcade 1997 it starts up with dean malenko versus eddie guerrero but it's a no disqualification match yep and it is tremendous because you know they're bending the rules and everything like that um six gets involved in the matchup as well um it's for the u.s title um, so it, it was a great way to kick off the pay-per-view, obviously. I mean, just pretty much how else did they, you know, kick off pay-per-views basically? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of people would, you know, they would come there for the main event, but you know, when they would put the cruiserweights on, like people were hooked to that. It was a great way to get the crowd into the show. I, I agree. Like it was, uh, it, it, it was a great way. Uh, to kick off the pay-per-view. Um, so I loved it. And I loved, uh, Dean Malenko goes over and he actually has a camera because uh, Six is brings down a camera quarter to the ring and stuff like that. So he has the camera and he hits Eddie Guerrero with it. And then like, as Eddie is laying there, he like films it basically like at the end of it. So I, I love that. Um, I love the interview with Rowdy Rowdy Piper at this point because he just goes off on his Piper interviews and I love his interviews. Like he's talking about the four horsemen because he's involved in the main event, which is the main event's not that great. And I'll get to that later on, but it's basically the four horsemen with Rowdy Rowdy Piper in their corner versus team WCW versus team NWO. And it's like a battle Royale slash pinfall submission thing um and that's really hard to describe and and i'll talk more about that later but i love his interview because he's just like he's just like oh the, the horsemen well that's funny do they ride mares or are they ponies or what <laughs> like, and he and he even does this he's like he's like he's like oh the, the four horsemen there so you got the four what about that one you know yeah <laughs> like like what's the puts this one finger salute up and everything. It's great. And Gene Oakland in the thing as well. Ric Flair though is not there. So that's what sucks about it. But and Steve uh, McMichael yeah. was in there. Well, yeah, it's needless to say. The, wor had, the worst horseman of all time by like a thousand miles. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> uh, then you had Psychosis versus Ultimo Dragon. That was a great match. You know, not many people were really uh, in in tune with it. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of sucks. But uh, it, it was a good wrestling matchup. And then you had a great segment between Macho Man and DDP where DDP comes out. And this is where he hasn't fully turned face, but he's definitely about to turn face after this, you know, particular segment. And um, 
And Savage, you know, comes out. He's like, brother, brother, I had you all wrong. You're the man. And he talks about Kimberly, you know, being in, uh, I think it was Playboy at the time. It was either, it, it was, it was one of those like kind of new magazines back in the day. And they had actually spray painted her uh, like in her dress. Like they had spray painted her NWO and then Macho Man comes up and attacks him from behind and stuff like that. It's just good storytelling, in my opinion. And it kicked off that amazing rivalry that they would go on to have. It yeah, I mean, the, the story there was always that, like, DDP just could not beat him. You know, it was like, no matter what, DDP couldn't, just couldn't, couldn't beat him. And that was, uh, that was a, a great, like, way to make him look like the underdog still make Savage look like the established veteran. And then when Paige finally does go over on him, the pop is enormous. Yes. Yes, it was. And uh, I remember when he did go over on him, it was Spring Stampede 1997, and that's probably my favorite match that they had of the of all of them. I mean, they had amazing matches, don't get me wrong, but that one was my favorite just because I love the pop at the end. Yeah, they beat the ever-loving shit out of each other in that match, too. Those punches were like all real yeah <laughs> the next two matches not so much uh mortis versus glacier in a karate match not the best idea i get that and buff bagwell versus scotty riggs in a strap match yeah not 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 very good the next match though was a tag team match between harlem heat and public enemy now, it's not the best hardcore match or, any, or no disqualification match or whatnot, but the commentary on this thing is some of the funniest shit I have ever seen between Bobby Heaton and Dusty Rhodes. Because, like, there's one time where Stevie Ray takes a trash can and just whacked. No, I'm sorry. It was uh, it was uh, Johnny Grunge takes the trash can and he just whacks Stevie uh, Stevie Ray over the head with, and Dusty Rhodes busts out laughing, which then in turn makes Heenan busts out laughing, and they're just cracking jokes the whole time, and you can tell they're just having so much fun at this point. Like they're just like, this is great. This is just so much fun. And it makes the matchup just so much more entertaining. I loved every single second of it. And then you had uh, Rey Mysterio versus Prince Iakea for the TV title. I just like Rey Mysterio. Uh, I would have preferred this be Steven Regal versus uh, Rey Mysterio, which is what it was originally scheduled to be advertised as. And uh, I would have liked it where... Ray would have gone over on Regal and beaten him for the TV title. That's how I would have booked it. But I, I liked this match though. I I I, uh, I I remember seeing it as a kid. I did like this match. I I, I did. Um, I I don't mind it, but I just I think it would have been better for Ray had it been Stephen Regal and you know he beats Regal or something like that for the TV title. So that's just me. Um, also in this, we have in the main event, it's supposed to be Team WCW, Luger, the Giant, and the Steiner Brothers. However, earlier in the night, the NWO attacks Scott Steiner, obviously, 
lay him out, and uh, now Team WCW is down a man. So, <clears throat> I thought they so, attacked Rick. Am I remembering that wrong? Did I did I say Scott? Yeah. Okay. Yes, they did. They attacked Rick Steiner. Yes, I'm they saying, did. You're the that expert, means- man. If you tell me it was Scott, I believe you. You watch way more wrestling than anyone. No, I did. I, I did. I did actually just now realize that. Yeah, I, I thought I said Rick Steiner, but I said Scott Steiner, so that was my fault. But um, Team Piper versus Team NWO versus Team WCW. I'm not going to try to explain this matchup, but the the stipulation is basically: if Team Piper wins, he gets Hogan in a cage. If Team WCW wins, um, I believe the NWO is suspended for 90 days. And then if uh, if Team NWO wins, they get to, they get to uh, challenge for any WCW title on any event that they choose see fitting. So like if they wanted to challenge for uh, the TV title the very next night on Monday Nitro, they can. They can just do it. Then they can sub whoever they want in. So long story short, that matchup is very confusing. But the great parts that come in this matchup or when Luger goes on a tangent at the very end and literally almost eliminates everybody. And then Dennis Rodman comes in and helps Hogan against Luger and uh, stops Luger's momentum. But the crowd was going insane for it and everything like that. I love that part about it. The team NWO wins, but that's not the story. The story happens right after this matchup as Sting repels down from the rafters. And this was this was when, like, who are you playing for, Sting? Who are you playing for? And 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 everyone's going nuts for a minute. Then they're like, all right, what's about to happen? Scott Hall gets in the ring. He takes that bat. He hits Scott Hall. That place fucking erupted. Yes. They went absolutely ape shit. And I watched it, and I was just like, oh, this is good stuff. This is incredible. Every time I see him rappel down and I see him hit Scott Hall with the bat, like I just I get chills every single time. It's so well done. It is amazing. And then after he takes out Hall, he takes out Nash and he takes out Savage, he turns and he points to Hogan. And I'm thinking, all right, the pay-per-view feed's about to cut. There, this is where they tease it, or Hogan's about to run away. Instead, Hogan actually gets in the ring. And he, all he does is block him, and he punches him. The crowd goes even wilder. And then he hits the Scorpion Death Drop, and and you know Tony Schiavone's uh, uh, calling of this, Bobby Heaton and Dusty Rhodes going nuts for it, dude. That was an amazing way to end the pay per view, in my opinion. So that is my third favorite pay-per-view uh and it's and it's the wcw pay-per-view wcw uncensored 1997 that that that's a good one man and and that you're exactly right that moment at the end with sting just kind of caps it all off and and one thing i will note before i go on uh, it's easy to go back and watch the segments that had rodman in them uh or carl malone and 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 you know kind of uh, you know, not really be able to grasp the, you know, the, I guess the momentum and the, just the spectacle that came along with these, because at this point in time, man, like this is Dennis Rodman. This is like during like 
the the Jordan era Bulls, right? The Chicago Bulls were some of the most famous people on earth. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is during that era. So Dennis Rodman showing up, I mean, it, it would be like if LeBron James like walked out, you know, today on like a dynamite or something, you know, um, it, it was a huge thing. It was a huge thing. Um, yeah, it was. Dennis Rodman at one point was one of the biggest celebrities. Yeah. Definitely sports celebrities. Yeah, especially with his personality in general. He was a perfect fit for pro wrestling. Um, yeah. So I will tell you, I my number three and my number one, and that's weird. You would think it'd be one and two or two yeah. and three. But my three and my number one, I changed them like six times today. And then right as we started recording, I changed them again. And and so that's what I went with. I'm locked in. No changing it after the recording starts. <clears throat> so my um, there's no more WCW on this list, by the way. Just a, just a little mild tease there. Um, so uh, my number three is TNA Unbreakable 2005. Really? Uh, I just like the one match. No, I, I, so I, I actually went back and watched this one because I was, I was like, do I think that this is good enough to go on the list? And originally I was going to put it on there because of that match, but there's some great matches on here. Austin Aries and Roderick Strong, uh, is fantastic. Uh, Chris Saban and Petey Williams. I love Chris Saban. I, I don't know if we've ever, we've never actually had this discussion. I'm a huge Chris Saban fan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Abyss and Sabu had one of their no DQ matches on this event. Um, uh, Bobby Roode and Jeff Hardy was good. This is before Jeff Hardy was, you know, he was on drugs, but he was performing well on drugs. <laughs> um, yeah. I He's mean, always if, on drugs. Yeah, if we want to be honest, pretty much all, if you've ever loved Jeff Hardy, he was probably on drugs at the time. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had the Naturals, uh, which was Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens. Um, and, and they were up against uh, uh, AMW and uh, Johnny Can- uh, Was it? It wasn't Chris Candido, right? It was Johnny Candido. Uh, no, it was Chris Candido. Was it? Or, okay. Or wait. Either way, it doesn't matter. I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, uh, Johnny, I can't remember what his name was. Johnny Swinger? Was it him? I know he was teamed with Alex Shelley, and then uh, it was uh, A1 and Eric Young for Team Canada. Johnny Swinger was with uh, Alex Shelley. Gotcha. Okay. Um, That being said, uh, yeah, I mean, it it was – this was a great match, too. Uh, that was an elimination tag for the NWA tag team titles. Um, Raven had a Ravens rules match with Rhino. I wasn't a huge fan of that, but once again, this was during that time where TNA really wanted to, uh, you know, solidify themselves as having these like former WWE and WCW guys that were mainstays. Um, also, um, another thing that was on this pay-per-view is the three live crew versus the team that was calling themselves the Diamonds in the Rough, which was David Young, uh, Elix Skipper, and Simon Diamond. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean that was obviously a you know a pretty good match as well. Um, we are we are familiar with 
David Young a little bit. All right, do you know that connection? Are you aware of that? Have we talked about that? What? Uh, about who we know that's related to David Young. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. And then, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I going back and watching through this whole pay-per-view, I was like, this has to make it on the list. And I almost, I was so close to putting it number one because the main event is on my top five matches list. It's AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe. Uh, this was uh, one of the only times, I know it was the first time uh, that the X Division Championship was the main event. And it may have been the only time, I'm not sure. But I know it was the first time uh, for the pay-per-view. And oh, I mean... Oh, yeah, it was. It was the very first time the X Division Championship was the headline. Yeah, and I mean, this match was, it was everything. Uh, it, it, it delivers. I could watch this match every day. Uh, it, it delivers start to finish. You've got, uh, Joe and Daniels both playing heel. You have Joe playing the monster heel. You have Christopher Daniels playing the antagonist heel where, you know, and he's, he's basically, um, you know, he is playing the role of, I don't want to be involved with either one of these guys. So he's trying to play the smart heel he's trying to take advantage of everyone and then you have styles styles i said this before styles is the worst thing in this match how good is your match got to be if aj styles is the worst thing in it that's just not it that's just i can't fathom it it, it it's it, i just can't <laughs> um and uh yeah i mean that all three of these guys just absolutely deliver here uh i have just i have ranted about this match and how good it is for so much on this program. I don't need to do it again, but that's my number three unbreakable 2005. Um, I just, you know, once again, like I said, the, the, and this is the, this is the thing that, that, that put it at three and not one is there are some just straight up boring matches on this pay-per-view. And I did not think it could deserve the number one spot, man. But I mean, we talk about moments, right. And, uh, just that that main event is it, it's just it's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard to compete with it. Yeah. All right, we're getting we're getting into the top two here. So uh, I'm interested to know what is your number two. My number two is TNA Victory Road 2004, their very first official three hour pay per view. You know, I I considered this one. Because uh, yep. I watched it live. And it was amazing because, to me, I remember watching this back at the time, and I did watch it live. Um, I, for, I Somehow I was able to watch it live. And I don't even think I watched it live. I think I watched it, like, the day after or something like that, or someone gave me a tape of it. Um, I can't remember exactly, but it was their very first official three-hour pay-per-view, and I was so excited for it because – at the time, they were it, you know, like they there wasn't an AEW. There wasn't a big boom on the independent scenes and everything like that. You know, there was, um, excuse me, there was, um, you know, nothing out there. You know, you might have had Ring of Honor, but I didn't even know about Ring of Honor at the time, you know. So um, TNA was it. And I thought, okay, they're fixing to skyrocket. 
which they kind of did for a number of years after this. I, I know um, Jeff Hardy was the big draw, man. I know a lot of people went over there for Jeff Hardy. Yeah, they really did. And uh, he and it's in his matchup, a ladder matchup against Jeff Jarrett and everything for the you know championship. Now, just like the turning point to, to uh, 2006 pay-per-view that I put there, um, I don't think like, you know, Jeff Jarrett, you know, always had the best main events or anything. I thought that he had, you know, really good main events and everything like that. I just like the fact that it was an actual main event to a show it was a one-on-one whether or not it was a ladder matchup or like rhino versus jeff jarrett it was an actual wrestling match and i was like i like that i don't like you know a bit you know like a big time gimmick match to be the main event where you have like several different people it's like no i just give me one give me the title give me the nwa title at the time and uh so that's what i liked about it but then you also had the best way to open up the pay-per-view, which was that X-Division gauntlet matchup, which was basically an X-Division Royal Rumble-style match. And it was amazing because you got to see everybody do their stuff in the X-Division. Uh, that, that was incredible. And then, of course, you had the very first Monsters Ball match with Raven, Abyss, and Monty Brown. And that was, you know, the violence went to another level uh, at that point. You know, that was great. And you know, it's I, I want to note here that this was about the time where people started to begin to started to get disgruntled with WWE. Yes, nowhere near to the point it is now, but this is the beginning of the Cena era. Yeah. Um, so this is where he wasn't quite being shoved down everyone's throats yet, but this is where you had this trajectory where Cena and, and Batista were like the main guys. And if you weren't into either one of those guys, you might as well not watch raw or SmackDown. Well, and it wasn't just that it was also, you know, just WWE as a whole, it was all the same thing. It was just, you know, it was like, Oh, you know, I want there to be another promotion. Like there was like, I miss WCW. I think when WCW first went away, everyone kind of was like, yay, you know, they, they bought it or anything like that. And, you know, everyone just kind of thought, oh, wow, you know, that's interesting. But then, like, as I think like a year or two settled in, everyone realized, oh, shit, there's there's nothing else besides WWE. Like, why are they the only place that you can go to do this? Yeah. And it just wasn't right. So this was the time when, you know, TNA was starting to make that launch. Yeah. And, and, and that's a great point because the, the thing about it, you've got WCW, right? They, they get bought by WWE and everyone's excited. Not because WCW is going out of business. Although WCW had gotten pretty rough in those final days. But, um, yeah, uh, thanks Russo. Uh, but, uh, you know, people were excited about seeing the versus matches between the two companies. People were excited about seeing all these great crossovers. I mean, it'd be like if Marvel bought DC. You don't want DC to go out of business, but you want to see Batman fighting Wolverine or whatever. So, yeah. you, you know, the, we were excited for the possibilities. The invasion angle ran for so long uh, with ECW and WCW. And but it was absolutely terrible. What, what was... 
the 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 ECW uh, WCW invasion angle. It was awful. It was. I did not care about any of the matches that they actually presented. It yeah. was like it, and and then all you had was, you know, you had Stone Cold go to the uh, Alliance side. And I'm sitting there just like, oh, my God, they've got a pull from WWE to help them fight WWE. Like, the, it's, not, it's not good. The two things that were really good about that was the vignettes we got with Austin and Angle. And then the Rock and Booker T for the I WCW title. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. But they didn't present the matches. And, and, you know, to be fair, you know, they couldn't. But... That was why, like, you know, I wanted a place like TNA to, you know, really start to make that move because it was like, all right, another wrestling company. There has to be other wrestling companies. Yeah. So, um, and and this pay-per-view showed it. And then I got to talk about the match, uh, Petey Williams versus AJ Styles for the X Division Championship. I mean, need I say more? You know, <laughs> when you... It, it's it's funny. I bet you there is an indie worker on the indies that's done a Canadian destroyer and doesn't know who Petey Williams is. Yeah. And that's, that's sad. terrible and sad. That's sad. It's sad, but but true. <laughs> Petey Williams is so good. So good. And- and also during this pay-per-view, they also renewed another rivalry that had been in the Asylum years, which was Triple X versus America's Most Wanted for the NWA Tag Team Championships. How could you not? That exactly. They worked so well together. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and, this is this is prime Christopher Daniels. Yep. It's also primetime Elix Skipper. People forget how good he was in the ring. I mean, people knock him for his promos because he had, you know, very high pitched voice. But I mean, his in ring work was next to none. Brock Lesnar's got a high pitched voice too. It's okay. It'll be all right. <laughs> I know. That's why I just I don't really care about that kind of stuff. But they had an amazing matchup. It would lead to an even bigger matchup at their next pay per view that year, which was Turning Point. And they had the, you know, memorable cage match and everything like that. Um, but this was on on this pay-per-view, which thus capping off with the NWA title, the Monsters Ball, the X Division Championship, the X Division Gauntlet. This was a TNA pay-per-view, in my opinion. This is like, if I want to show people a good TNA side, this is it right here. This was when they were just... They couldn't do anything wrong, even though Jarrett was the champion. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, my thoughts on that, too, is that the only reason that Jarrett's heel run where he was basically, he was putting everybody over, but he was retaining the belt, right? Like, he, he, he was doing the same thing Triple H had done before in, in Evolution, where you almost beat him. And this was this is the Ric Flair playbook, right? You you right. know the baby face comes in. He gets a nice run up to the pay per view. Crowds behind him. He gets this close, and the heel somehow still escapes with the title. So the baby face still looks great, and then you you know your heel keeps the uh, championship. The problem is Jeff Jarrett's just not as good at doing that as Triple H. 
and we had just watched Triple H do it for like a year and a half. It's not to say yeah. he's bad at it. He's very good at it. But it just, next to watching Triple H having just done it for forever, we really didn't want to see it again, especially in a not as good way. I didn't have any an appreciation for it then like I do now. Yeah, and there was also a couple of other things about this pay-per-view. They also had a fans voting, which was they either they voted in either um, Dusty Rhodes or Vince Russo to run TNA, basically. And yeah. Dusty Rhodes won and everything. And actually, Vince Russo was a face at this time. Yes, Vince Russo was kind of a face. Uh, I don't know who made that call, but... It kind of worked in some ways. It kind of didn't. I don't really know. But, uh, yeah, that, that was another interesting thing. And then, of course, you know, you had Hall and Nash who were a part of the thing. They helped Jarrett. Uh, they screw over Jeff Hardy and everything like that. But then at the very end, the macho man Randy Savage comes out and stuff like that. And uh, I loved it. I just I, – I loved everything about this pay-per-view. It This was, to me – when you're planning a, a big time event to kick off your very first like pay-per-view to show everyone, okay, we've arrived. We're fixing to do the damn thing. Basically this was it. This is how you put on a good show. In my opinion, everyone brought their a game. Yeah. You mentioned the dusty Rhodes thing. I remember they, they had made dusty Rhodes like the, the booker or whatever on TV and I remember they would do these segments, and instead of having an office, like he would be in like a pickup truck, like in the parking lot, sitting in the back of it, like eating some like ribs or some shit, and like somebody would come up and be like, "I want a match with so and so," and he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, have a match, have a match." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were some good it. segments. I loved it when when uh, he he made uh when he made a match on Impact Wrestling. He's like he's like, and then for the first time ever, it's gonna be. Ron, or uh, I'm sorry, Jeff Jarrett versus the alpha male, Monty Brown. I'm a busy man. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dusty Rhodes. But this yes. DNA just had some great stuff. And, and like I said, this was the way you show everyone that, hey, we've arrived and we're fixing to, we're fixing to take this thing to the top. We know what happens to him eventually, but this was this was the good years of TNA. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right. My number two. Okay. I don't ever want to hear anybody that watches this fucking program or you tell me that I am not a fan of AEW because I have the first and possibly only AEW pay-per-view on either one of these lists. Um, And I just realized how many of these uh, have my top five matches in them, and that's probably not a coincidence. But as you you know, this is my favorite AEW pay-per-view. AEW Revolution from this year, 2020. Um, this is <laughs> this is like the newest pay-per-view on this list by like 15 years. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I loved this pay-per-view. Um, you know, the match that's on here that was in, uh, that was, you know, just, that was huge to me, right? I it's it's just it was such a good show i mean it, this was such a good show uh i i just you know i i cannot i cannot talk about this enough so let's 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 start with what i didn't like about it okay so 
you you got uh let me get huh I said, let me guess what you didn't like on it. A you certain might, tag match. You might be surprised. You might be surprised. Uh, let's okay. talk about um, uh, Britt Baker and Penelope Ford against uh, Riho and Yuka Sakazaki. Not a fan. Right? Um, I thought it was on the buy-in. What's that? I thought that was on the buy-in. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, and then, uh, so we had... Uh, Dark Order, uh, I've never really been in, in any of their stuff, but they were up against uh, Kazarian and uh, Scorpio Sky. So I did like that. Um, so let's see what else. Uh, Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, love this match. Yep. Love it, love it, love it. Um, Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes was okay. I thought this was a really good – so this was actually the opener to the pay-per-view. The other two – were dark matches. I yeah. thought this was the best showing Jake Hager's had in AEW. These guys just had like a, a hoss fight. And, you know, uh, if you want to hear a ton more about this event, uh, you can, we actually did a full review of it in season one of this show. So you can go and listen to us talk about it for an hour and a half. Um, a, as you will know, I did not like the uh, Omega and Adam Page versus the Young Bucks. It's literally 30 minutes of them doing moves to each other, whatever. Uh, the stuff I really like, the MJF and uh, Cody match. Um, the finish to that match is freaking amazing. I absolutely love it. Um, the match on here that I think stole the show, though, and we've talked about this several times, is the uh, Pack versus Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Um, that match to me, I mean, you say what you want about Orange Cassidy, right? Jim Cornette freaking hates the dude. He calls them my little dog pockets. Uh, I, I The thing that I was the most wrong about when AEW came around and they, they brought in Orange Cassidy, I've been a huge fan of his from the indies because I, I get what he's doing. And I was like, but casual audiences aren't going to get it at all. Fuck that. He is one of the top merchandise movers for AEW. He's incredibly over. Now, I do think that maybe they don't always use him the best way because – with with him, you kind of he's got to continuously change up what he's doing, and if he doesn't, then he's gonna get stale. But I think that they're doing an amazing work with him, and this was the way to do it. You put him in there with a mega heel like Pac, and then you've got um, you know this guy who takes himself way too seriously versus this guy who doesn't take anything seriously at all. <laughs> and that was just, I mean, that was a a stellar. Uh, just a stellar uh, match to me. Uh, and then the main event was uh, Moxley and Jericho. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've talked about that at length as well, that it was great. Uh, this is actually where Moxley uh, won the championship. Uh, I'm not the biggest Moxley fan, but I know that the lead into this and the you know what it meant for AEW to have two of the biggest WWE stars. Chris Jericho, one of the biggest WWE stars of all time. Moxley, one of the biggest WWE stars in the last 10 years. I mean, this, you know, that th this was huge for them to have that as a main event. And I, I think that that really drew in a lot of like casuals. Yeah. Um, that being said, I, I, I knew that I wanted to put one of two uh, pay-per-views here and you could probably 
you know that the other AEW when I considered was double or nothing. Uh, but when I sat down and looked at it, and we've done so much uh, with this pay-per-view where we've analyzed it top to bottom, I, I just, you know, it may be that it's the last pay-per-view that I recall watching where we still had crowds in wrestling, but the the AEW audience just adds so much to these events. Yes. Uh, and and I, I loved it. And we talk, we're going to talk about making moments. There were so many moments in this pay-per-view. This is my number two. Awesome, man. Awesome. I, and I like this, too. I, I, I don't have any AEW on my top five just because um, I look at wrestling a little bit different now. So I kind of, you know, went with the ones that I felt like when I was watching them and everything, other than the ECW pay-per-view, just because, like I said, I really like the way they did that. Sure, yeah, your uh, your Cult of Cornette membership is in the mail. <laughs> he would not like me if I actually talked to him, because I would tell him, hey, man, I don't like anything wrestling. I don't think Cornette would like me if I actually talked to him. <laughs> He'd be like, why is this fucking Mark booking wrestling shows? <laughs> He probably would. All right, man. Here here we are. This is it. So there's only two left. Is your number one and my number one? What do we got? And I, I have a guess, but but what do we got? You have a guess, eh? I I, I think I think it's gonna be the I think it's gonna be undisputed. Undisputed? The, un, the undisputed match, Ring of Honor. No. It's not because as an event, I've never actually seen that full event. Ah, uh, okay. All right. I've only seen the matchup. I, it, all is, right. it is not. Ring of Honor didn't make the top. And and the only reason Ring of Honor didn't make it is because um they haven't had a lot of pay-per-views. You know, right. kind of thing. I mean, I mean, they've had a lot of special events and everything like that, but um I haven't been able to watch a lot of Ring of Honors from front to back. So, no, it's not. No, it's got to be one from my childhood, actually. It's got to be my all-time favorite WCW pay-per-view. It is not Starcade 1997. It is Starcade 1996. Mm. And the reason why is because... Um, and I've said this before, but this one was the very first time that this ever happened. Okay. Um, I remember my dad and me, I was at his apartment at the time and he had just gotten pay-per-view and everything. And he had mentioned that he had gotten pay-per-view and everything. Now, back in the day, what people don't realize is WCW didn't necessarily have a Sunday Night Heat type program, but they did have a Sunday show on before the um, the actual pay per view. But it wasn't; it was not. It, it was like two hours before the pay per view, basically. Yeah. So we watched that. But then there was what they had was those infomercials and they had a pay-per-view preview type show. And it was mean Gene Oakland showing like what was going to happen basically all throughout the night. Well, we landed on one of those channels flipping through the dials or something like that. And like, I was just like, Whoa, dad, hold it right there. That's wrestling. And he was like, Caleb, that's just a preview show. And then we, we start, he started watching it a little bit and I was just like, Ooh, I wonder if I could do this. And I was just like, dad, 
please can we order this like like come on like 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 let's order this like i don't have work or i mean i don't have work <laughs> i don't have school the next day uh you're off of work i think i think he was off of work i'm not sure but i think he was um like please can we order this and he just he was just like mm, hand me my wallet and uh so he ordered the pay-per-view and so i got to watch it and uh i remember a couple of things about this watching it live now i've gone back and watched it and the way that it opens up ultimo dragon versus dean malenko come on right yeah i mean that's the match <laughs> i remember from this one yeah um medusa which is surprising versus... yeah because i'm a huge ddp fan <laughs> <laughs> um medusa versus akira hokuto i mean that that was what it was kind of thing but it happened after uh dean malenko versus uh the ultima dragon and then an interview from roddy roddy piper who the main event was roddy roddy piper versus hulk hogan and at the time people can say what they want to about you know their age or or whatnot but at the time when that match was announced and it was the nwo basically versus piper um, everyone wanted to see that. Everyone wanted to see that main event. So I wanted to see it. My dad wanted to see it. It was a good story. But you also had Jushin Thunder Liger versus Rey Mysterio. Yes. Amazing. Just absolutely incredible. Uh, Jeff Jarrett um, is, is, is in a no disqualification match against uh, uh, Chris Benoit. Yep. actually so like actually when i was looking at it here on the network it just says jeff jared in a no disqualification match and i'm like oh well then i know who he faced right yeah <laughs> kind of thing uh which was good at the time you know because benoit in anything uh was amazing you know and yeah. that feels so weird to say um you know this this matchup i i would have booked a little bit different coming up here but i did like uh, I, I don't know. I, I liked it somewhat, but it was the outsiders versus the faces of fear. Um, this because I like Ming. You know, yeah. Ming is a legit badass, and so was the uh, barbarian. But I would have like had the Steiner brothers or something in that versus uh, the outsiders to give it a little bit more oomph in that, I guess. But it is what it was, um, or it is it is what it is, I guess. Or what, they were running was. out of shit to do with the outsiders. <laughs> do what? At this point, they were running out of shit to do with the outsiders. Yeah, it kind of is true, which was which was really sad because there was a bunch more stuff you could have done with them. Uh, but then here we go. You probably love this next matchup as well. Uh, Eddie Guerrero versus DDP for the U.S. Championship. I mean, come on. Yeah. Interestingly enough. I've never really loved this one, um, and, and and I love both guys, but and they've had but they've had other matches that that were better than this. But for whatever reason, man, this one just never clicked with me. I'm not saying it was bad, but it's yeah. like in my head right now. If you were like Eddie Guerrero versus DDP, I'm just like just mind explosion. But this one didn't do that for me. Uh, yeah. It was still a good match, and uh, when I was a kid at this point in time. I did not have the appreciation and respect for Eddie Guerrero yet that, yeah, that I grew too. to have later. Yeah, me too. And, and and I agree with that. 
Um, but the next matchup on this one is the show stealer, in my opinion. And it's very weird that I would say that about a Lex Luger matchup, but it's Lex Luger versus the Giant. All right. It's weird and that you would say it about a Giant matchup. <laughs> I, I, I know, but but let me explain why. It's not because they went out and had a knockdown, drag out, technical classic or or athletic contest. But it's what happens in the matchup that makes excuse me that makes it um, such a good such a good match because the ending to this well first off Lex Luger goes to rack the giant and he actually picks up the giant the crowd is going nuts at this point they're just like oh like like I'm even at home just like yes get him get him. And um, and I remember that feeling. And then Nick Patrick comes in, and he actually screws Luger, thus making it like, okay, he is definitely NWO. Because there was still, like, questions whether or not he was really NWO or really not and everything like that. And so he kicks Luger in the leg. Luger goes down, and I'm thinking, oh, great. Here comes the screw job and everything. And then Sting comes out through the crowd. He wasn't rappelling down from uh, the rafters at this point, but he, he comes through the crowd and he walks in the ring and he just lays the bat down in the middle and he says something to Luger and Giant. Like he whispers something in their ear. And then he walks away. And then Luger grabs the bat, hits Giant with it, and I remember watching this and he hits it with it. I'm like, yes! And then the referee finally comes to the other referee who it started off as uh, uh, who they called um, Mark Curtis, um, who was like really scrawny and everything like that. But he was actually the first referee. Nick Patrick wasn't, but Nick Patrick tried to come in and do the screw job. But uh, he finally comes to and he counts one, two, Three and the crowd went absolutely nuts when Luger won. Say what you want to about Luger and everything. I know he might not be the best in the ring, but at one point, dude, Luger was huge during the Monday Night Wars. People don't give him his credit for uh, his 97 and 96 run in WCW because he was huge. He got big, massive pops every time he came out and when he would do the rack and everything like that. Um, the torture rack. And uh, so when he got that victory, it was a huge, huge reaction. It was amazing. Uh, I loved every single second of that. And then, of course, you had the main event, Roddy Piper versus Hogan. Um, it was a good main event, I thought. I thought it was a really good main event. You know, uh, experts might disagree or whatnot, but the crap, but like Randy Anderson actually, you know, holding up hogan's arm and hogan didn't even tap out he actually did the thing where he goes limp and stuff like that so he uh put it down for one put it down for two and then when it went down the third time uh randy anderson hesitated because he was like it went down yes 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 ring it ring it and and like the crowd goes nuts and everything like that um amazing way to cap off the pay-per-view in my opinion this is my favorite wcw pay-per-view of all time and it's uh, probably my number one uh, outside of WWE for a number of reasons. One, I went back and watched it, and I still feel the same way I did about it. But 
really just a feeling I have with watching it as a child, being such a fan of wrestling and not caring, you know, what everyone cares about today. Oh, they need to book it this way. They need to do this. They need to do that. No, I didn't care about that shit as a child. You know, I just, I watched it and I enjoyed it just sitting back and watching it. Um, and then of course, you know, the memories of sitting there watching it with my dad, you, you can't, replace those kinds of things you know like i love i love aew i do i love aew i love mlw i love nwa um but just those old 90s man nothing beats it i'm with you i'm definitely with you uh the the pay-per-views back then felt different like now i think you know it got to the point you know back then there would be like 10 to 12 pay-per-views a year um, and sometimes not even that often, and which is why I like that AEW now is doing like every two months because WWE got to the point where there's a pay per view every three weeks, yeah, and they don't mean anything anymore. Nope. You can't build a compelling angle to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just didn't, it just doesn't mean anything anymore, and I think it contributes heavily to why everything in WWE feels like filler now because it's like. All right, we had the big event. All right, uh, well, we got three weeks to build up the next one. Uh, you know, so we don't have any time to acknowledge what happened last time. We just got to keep rolling with the punches and keep going. Um, so, yeah, I agree, man. And I, that's a that's an awesome pick um, for number one. And I would not have called that at all. You, you made me want to go watch it after we get done. <laughs> Dude, definitely do it because it, it, it it's amazing, at least in my opinion. And like I said... A lot of it has to deal with just sentimental reasons, you know, right. just I just remember that feeling as a child and, yeah. you know, getting to watch that pay-per-view finally. Like it was like, yes, I get to watch a live pay-per-view, you know, like and, you know, you had to wait. Like actually the matches, like when you would watch the other matches, you know, I, I don't I didn't have the appreciation that I did, you know, now for them. But it's like, you know, you couldn't wait for that main event. Right. It didn't mean what it was. You just, you could not wait for that main event. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, that means we've only got one left to talk about. Yep. And I thought that you, uh, earlier, I thought that you might sweep this one out from under me, but you didn't. Uh, my number one is TNA Turning Point 2004. Um, the thing that made me think about this, um, I, I was watching through kind of the TNA pay-per-views I remembered the most, and I thought, how could I forget this one? Uh, and James Storm put out a tweet the other day. I don't know if you saw this or not, but he talked about the main event, and he said that the Six Sides of Steel, they actually didn't get a chance to get in the ring and actually work with it. Uh, it was never set up before they set it up during the show. Uh, they had set it up in like a warehouse on a six-sided ring, uh, but they had never, they didn't get to the venue and actually have time to set it up so the tag teams could get in there and like get a feel for it and work in there. So this is, if you don't, if you aren't familiar with this paper, you go and watch it. I, it's absolutely amazing. This is the the legendary Elix Skipper walk down the cage yeah. in the main event. And so he literally told them in the back that he was going to do it. 
and he had no ability to practice it whatsoever. They had never been in there. So they're like, are you sure you can do it? He's like, yeah, I can do it. And they believed him and he, and he, and he did it. And it's one of the most iconic moments in TNA, if not the most iconic moment in all of TNA, because this, this to me is when TNA established its own identity and it was it. They basically said, "Yes, you know, we have to use established WWE guys, but we are not afraid to be our own brand." Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll, I'll I'll loop back around to it. Uh, we had Team Canada versus Three Live Crew, which is a TNA staple. It is what it yeah. is. Um, they had uh, uh, Sonny Siaki, Hector Garza, and Sanjay Dutt. Whatever happened to Sanjay Dutt anyway? Uh, versus He's uh behind the scenes there he what he's working behind the scenes there oh that's right that's right that's right uh kid cash michael shane and frankie kazarian which it's crazy how far frankie kazarian has come up in the world um yeah. monty brown uh defeated abyss uh they had a an interesting match it was some sort of weird stipulation like a serengeti match or something like that i think so yeah um uh, there was another tag match, I think, with Johnny Swinger in it, but we can skip over that. Uh, so interestingly, <laughs> DDP versus Raven is on this show. Yeah, uh, and a uh, huge mark for DDP. Now it was not as good as their uh, Bowery Death Match uh, in the cage in WCW, like almost ten years earlier. But uh, it was still a great match, especially for you know two guys their age. Uh, and then now we get into the meat and potatoes of this pay-per-view. Uh, Petey Williams versus Chris Sabin for the X Division Championship. This is during oh, Petey yeah. Williams' very long reign uh, as a X Division Champion. And I'll tell you, the, the finish to this match, I absolutely loved it. Uh, because basically... Uh, uh, Williams goes for the Canadian Destroyer, which you sure as hell weren't going to kick out of back then. Right. Saban reverses it, goes for the Cradle Shock. Amazing move. Every worker on the damn Indies was using the Cradle Shock back then. Uh, and then Williams counters the Cradle Shock into the Sharpshooter. Uh, and then, um, uh, and then of course, he gets out of that, and uh, Scott Damore uh, distracts the referee, Williams gets the brass knuckles, clocks them one, two, three. It's a classic heel finish, but the way that they worked into it was was just stellar. It was like, to me, it was like the it, they basically took a very you know solid wrestling concept and they applied it to a stellar like athletic contest, and yeah. uh, I loved that. Um, then we had a, <laughs> never could have saw this coming. Uh, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, and fucking Randy Savage uh, <laughs> against Jarrett Nash and Hall, uh, which maybe not the best match ever, but you know it was still a great match. I mean, you had a bunch of guys that knew each other and knew how to work together, uh, and and they're all stars, you know. Yeah, uh, this was huge for them. Such a star-studded pay-per-view. Uh, in a, in a lot of ways, this is almost like a TNA versus WCW pay-per-view you know it's like uh with a lot of these matchups uh and then of course the main event man this is the this is the this is the moment this is the match where i really fell in love truly with tna 
which was the six sides of steel. It's Chris Harris and James Storm against Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper. And if you have not seen this match, there's no words that I can say right now to to explain to you how good this match is. The walk down the cage may be the clip that they play, but the whole match is amazing. Oh, it, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It's amazing. It's insanely violent. Um the, the it, it's it's got everything it's got the hard hits it's got the violence it's got the athleticism it has the it's acrobatics the yeah it absolutely has the emotion and the storytelling because as you said a month before they hit this feud had already been kicked off and been running for a little while yeah and uh, this was like the uh the payoff basically and they went out there and absolutely killed it. And honestly, if you had to sit down and, and list like the top TNA matches of all time, your list is bullshit if it doesn't have this match on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, it It's amazing because the, the stipulation for that tag match is the losing team can never be a, a can never be a tag team anymore. So yeah. and Triple X ends up losing. So meaning they could never be a tag team anymore. And it was actually one that they actually stuck to for a while. Yeah. Like, uh, they tried to reform it in 2007 with, like, the three of them. It didn't work as well because they just didn't do anything with it. But, uh, yeah, like, they actually split up as a tag team, did Triple X. And uh, AMW won that match, and it was amazing. I, I agree. Um, but I had to go with uh, Victory Road over that one. I, just, I agree. I, 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 I can uh, see why. I can see why. And and you know the thing about that main event too is that is the reason there's a lockdown pay per view. Like that match caused them to do an entire show of cage matches. Which yeah. take it or leave it. The first like lockdown was really good, but after yeah. that it was just like, mm, do I really need eight cage matches? And that kind of also led to WWE doing their bullshit where they have like. You know, they, they stopped it now. Now they do, like, Hell in a Cell, and there's, like, two Cell matches. But at one point, they were trying to do shit like, let's have a TLC pay-per-view, and every match is a TLC match, you know? And <laughs> thankfully, they stopped doing that, um, you know, and it got old after a while. But, yeah, I mean, there, that's the – that this is – if you consider the Six Sides of Steel to be a legendary match, that match is why. Yes. It's considered to be so. It put that concept yeah. on the map. Yes, I agree completely. Um, I, I agree completely. It was that one, and it was also the other tag match that AMW had with uh, um, the Natural Selection, I think is what they were called. No, the Naturals. The Naturals, yeah. Yes, the Naturals. That was in the Asylum years as well, when they yep. also had the six-sided ring in the Asylum for a little bit. Yep. Um, this one though, yeah, this one's legendary. I agree. Uh, you know, just like I said, my personal preference as a pay per view as a whole was Victory Road 2004. So that's why I went with that one. <laughs> yeah, they have very different feels to them. But yes. we have accomplished our goal yet again. We have two completely unique lists. Yes. For a minute there, when you start uh, at the beginning, you were like turning point, and I was like, no. <laughs> but it was a different show so yes. yeah yeah man um that's so that's our that's our top five uh non-wwe pay-per-views of all time um if you somehow made it this far and still um ha don't know this yet 
Uh, I do want to reiterate the fact that we are now also available in audio form. So we're on Google Podcasts. We're still not on Apple Podcasts yet. We're getting there. Uh, it's in the works, folks. I'm just waiting on all the Apple red tape. Um, maybe they have watched the show or know me personally or something and know that I don't like them. Um, <laughs> but Spotify, Anchor, uh, Pocket Cast, we're, all, we're pretty much everywhere. If you get your podcast somewhere and uh, you know you want us over there, send us a message on Facebook, let us know, and uh, I will start the process unless there's some kind of crazy barrier to getting us on there. Um, you know, definitely check us out. Uh, so we're on all the major podcasting platforms. We're still right here on Facebook. We're still on YouTube, um, you know, in video form, and we're going to continue to stay that way. Uh, I believe our next show that we've agreed to do is uh actually uh is uh um uh, nxt's halloween havoc yeah it was either that one or it was or was it top five uh, uh wwe pay-per-views I, I don't want to do those back to back so okay. let's do halloween havoc and All then right. and then we'll do the top five wwe pay-per-views and then you know we, we got to do after that <laughs> Oh yeah, That's fine. I'm <laughs> ready. For we're gonna time. go ahead and do it. We'll go ahead and knock it out before season three comes out and ruins everything for us all over again. Um, <laughs> we will we will do the Owen Hart episode of Dark Side of the Ring that we have been avoiding since mid season one. Um, so we've got all that coming up. Uh, speaking of awesome things, you can listen to in the car or just whenever. Uh, Caleb, why don't you tell them uh, about your two. Uh, awesome projects, one of which has your name stamped all over it. <laughs> uh, yes, you can you can check me out on the Stoval Wrestling Network where I talk about pro wrestling, obviously, and I just talk. I give you some show suggestions, basically, as well. Uh, with this, we're, we're going and and we're talking about old wrestling, uh, anywhere from uh, old WWE to old. Uh, WCW, ECW, NWA, TNA, MLW, uh, Ring of Honor, and whatnot. Uh, we just we cover it all, basically. That's what it is. It's the Stovall Wrestling Network, wherever you can, wherever you can get your podcast. And also, we have past episodes. We're on a little bit of a break right now, but uh, Power Rangers Go podcast. If you, uh, if you're a fan of the Power Rangers or old nostalgia. Uh, fan out there um go check that out it's a lot of fun with me and the ace of the morphing grid mr quentin ficklin also known as superhero homie q as well um but we're on a bit of a break right now so if you're looking for new episodes right now uh we're hopefully going to try and get together and and get some new episodes for you as well uh, but we basically just cover everything Power Rangers. We go through every episode from start to finish, basically. And uh, it's about four episodes every podcast. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So check out both of those and whatnot. And also, you know, come back here for an involved review. Hey, I couldn't have said it better myself. And this has, in fact, been an involved review. We'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,